I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Hi, welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Kate. This is Mike. We are so excited because we have our friend Alex Ortner on today, and we've known Alex for years, right? Going way back. Yeah, I like think- Like to the uh, point that we- Six, seven, eight years. Yeah, like he's the kind of guy that, you know, you realize that you're at his exit in Connecticut off the turnpike and you just show up at his door with a cookie. That's the kind of guy oh, Alex right. is. That was, it. was that on our road trip? I don't remember when it was exactly, but anyway- Alex is the chief marketing officer and co-owner, along with his brother, Nick, and sister, Jessica, who just has been on the podcast before, of the Tapping Solution LLC, a company with a mission to bring into the mainstream a simple, effective, natural healing method known as Emotional Freedom Techniques, EFT, or Tapping. He's a speaker, author, entrepreneur, and marketing expert, plus father of three, who has produced first of their kind online programs such as the Tapping World Summit, a free annual worldwide online event that has been attended by over 2.5 million people over the last 10 years, and the recently released the Tapping Solution app, which features easy to follow tapping meditation. So Alex basically invented the online summit, and we talk about that the in this tap, episode. Well, the Tapping Solution did, yeah. Well, yes. Their company. Alex and the Tapping Solution team have raised over a million dollars for tapping-related charities such as Project Light, which aids genocide survivors in Rwanda, the Veterans Stress Project, supporting veterans with PTSD, and the Tapping Solution Foundation, which he and his siblings started in 2012 to support their community of Newtown, Connecticut after the tragic shootings at the Sandy Hook Elementary School. He's also the author of the children's book Gorilla Thumps and Bear Hugs, a Tapping Solution children's story, which we talked about in the episode, and speaks to teachers and students through his foundation on how to use tapping to create balance, relieve stress, and get better results in the classroom. And he lives in Newtown, Connecticut with his wife, Karen, and their three children. And we love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great talk. We talked a lot about what it's like to work together with your family members. You know, his brothers and sisters and his dad and his mom. They're all like, they all have their foots in the business. Their feet. Or their feet. <laughs> Sorry. Their feet in their business. And no, I just and we talked about Kate corrects how me on my English to, all the time. Well, Alex has been behind the scenes for many, many, many yes. years in operations and marketing. And now he is realizing his dream of stepping more into the spotlight, which he has known he wanted to do for years. But he was waiting for the right time. And now is the right time. And one of the parts I found really inspiring and I want you to listen in for is what he talks about that you have to be willing to do if you want to get good at something new. So I'm not going to give away what it is, but listen up for what the thing is that you have to be willing to do if you want to get good at something new. And this is something most of us are not willing to do. But if you have a new skill, if you're pivoting, if you're coming into something new, this is a key, key ingredient and you can't do it without it. So we talked marketing, we talked personal growth, we talked parenting, um, all kinds of great material in here. And Alex is an awesome guy. He is not afraid to be vulnerable. He always tells the truth. He's funny. He's sweet. He's kind. He's successful. You're going to love him. And um, I think that's it. Enjoy the show. This is bizarre. I'm doing the intro today on the podcast. Kate has turned it over to me. Alex. I'm actually, I'm here though. 
You are. Welcome to the show, Alex. It is very, very good to be here with you both. Thanks for coming. So Alex is business partners with, how you can explain the, because I know your parents are involved, your brother and sister are involved. We've had Jess Ordner is his yeah, sister. Yeah, I actually want to know the whole scenario. Yeah, we're going to talk about family dynamics in business because we also do. The whole, the whole dynamics of our family? Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you can go as deep as you want. Let's but start I with definitely want to know like the business like how, who does what well, and how it's set. Let's even go deeper, the childhood trauma from when you were <laughs> yeah. six months old. And well, I think you need to talk to Jess about that because I think we just tortured her the most growing up. So. <laughs> that is what it sounds like. Yeah, she's definitely she's the one with the most trauma. Yeah. <laughs> so Jess sort of been on the podcast before, mm-hmm. Alex's sister. So can you talk about the tapping solution, how it all works together, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, for starters, I've always been the behind the scenes person. I've literally been doing the operations and marketing of the tapping solution for the last, I mean, it's 12 years now. It's kind of crazy when I think about how long it's been, but I've been behind the scenes. I only started to come out front about a year ago because I was going crazy only doing the marketing and operations and driving myself here. So I needed some more, I needed some more balance, but traditionally our whole business has been me behind the scenes doing all the marketing and operations. Nick was on the front doing the books, doing the speaking, really out there as the, as the teacher of tapping. And Jess was early on doing so many of the interviews. She's always been so passionate about doing interviews. She does an awesome job interviewing people for all our Tapping World Summits. We've had 11 annual Tapping World Summits and also producing content on the front end. And so, I mean, the business really started out with Nick and Jess when they made the the Tapping Solution documentary film years ago. I was sadly not invited to partake in that film. Uh, yeah, you know, we're already going into family trauma. I'm ready to tap now. I'm ready to tap notes. But uh, yeah, so what they started out with, what's what that? What were you doing at that time? So when Nick decided to make the film with Jess, I was still doing our real estate investment business. So we had been flipping houses together for about five years and then the market tanked in 2007. And we all wanted to get out. And, you know, when, when you have a real estate investment business, you're not like, oh, let's just shut it down. No, you've got tons of houses. And we had something like 40 to 50 houses. It was like we had ramped up to our biggest ever and we had a ton of houses. And then it's like, okay, the market's crashing now. What do we do? And so Nick was the first one that kind of started to go out and he started to make that film. And I was still in the business with my dad in, in the real estate business trying to, you know, close shop for another year or so. And then I finally got out and then my dad was stuck with it for like another five years. Yeah. So we're all super appreciative to my dad for helping to close that shop for five years. Cause it was, it was just rough. It was miserable, but yeah, so they made the documentary film, the tapping solution. And then from there it kind of turned over into going, well, well now we have a d- documentary film. What do we do next? And my brother made start, did the first tapping world summit. And from there it was like, Oh, well there's this online stuff. Like we can, share information online and teach people online. And it totally transformed our thinking about everything. And actually at that time, Nick had the idea to make the Tapping Solution film because we got involved actually in investing in a film at the time called Simply Raw Reversing Diabetes in 30 Days. And so I actually took over that business. So I got out of real estate and took over managing that business. And Nick was doing the Tapping Solution business. And then I slowly transitioned to doing both. And then eventually stopped doing the, the health business and did the tapping solution business fully. And so, yeah, I've always been behind the scenes. I mean, it's, it's always typically Nick and I running the business behind the scenes and what we got going on and all that kind of stuff. And Jess just really focuses on content. And then my dad joined us too. I mean, he does our accounting and finance stuff. And now my mom joined. She retired as a school psychologist and now works in our foundation with schools. So we do tapping in schools. It's, you know, 
anybody who ever wants a copy of, of my kid's book in the school system, we send them just to schools for free. We give them to kids for free. All is trying to kind of help kids to learn how to use tapping to transform their own lives at, at a young pivotal age. It's something I love doing that we're really passionate about. So yeah, that's, that's kind of, I don't know, what other questions do you have about the family dynamics other than that? I want you to say your book title so that people can get that. Oh, my kid's book? The, the kid's book is called Gorilla Thumps and Bear Hugs, A Tapping Solution Children's Story. It's a okay, really awesome. cute story. I love that the, the illustrator did an amazing job. It's a really cute story that shows kids, you know, how to tap and how to use it on just little everyday challenges that they have. So, yeah. Amazing. I want to know. That's a great title. It's a really great title. I, we're going to get one for Penelope. So, so what's cool about it? Let me share, let me share it quickly. Now yeah, that, now that you got me talking about it, what's cool about it is that all of the tapping points are animal points, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like a book. Like one of the things that drove me a little crazy about some children's books on personal development is you, they, you try to go like super deep, like you're trying to like, That's and, good. and the kids are like, no, like I'm not, I'm not going there. It's boring. Right. And so my one goal with this was I just want the kids to have fun with it and to be introduced to tapping in a cool, fun way. And so every one of the points is like a different animal point. So there's like the wolf, the wolf's point, like on the chin and they're howling as they do it. And it's just, it's just a cool way to do it. And I love that it's actually introduced a lot of adults to tapping. Yeah. A lot of adults, they won't read a full 300 page book or 200 page book. And so they get the kid's book, they read it to their kids and they're like, this is cool. You know, it's a fun little intro to it. So anyway. Cause well, just to build off that, cause tapping is not for, I guess for the majority of people. So I understand it's yeah. the, the re, I don't need to know all the research, right? Like I don't need to know the details of what, how it works, the explanation of it. It's more beneficial if I do it. That's the beauty of tapping. I think is that for so long, cause we didn't, we didn't invent tapping. A guy called Gary Craig invented it in the eighties and somebody called Roger Callahan invented another form of it in the seventies. But for years it took off and became more and more popular, not because of science and research, but because people were doing it, they were getting results and they were telling other people about it. As simple as that. It wasn't literally until, I don't know what, 20, 30 years later, I don't know how to do the math that people started to do science and research behind it because there, there are certain people that want to know the science, right? They want to know why does this work? Is it placebo? And I always say a lot of times about placebo. I'm like, who cares if it's placebo? Do it if it's working. What I love about tapping though is actually not the placebo effect. It's the nocebo effect where people think, oh, this isn't going to work for me. This thing is ridiculous. Then they go and do the tapping and they feel better. And they're like, but no, this, this can't work. This is ridiculous. So yeah, I don't, for me, it doesn't matter the science and research. There is a lot of science and research. It's just more that it works. And then when it works, people want to tell other people about it. So what I think is so cool, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you guys, maybe you didn't invent the idea of an online summit, but you definitely have been the pioneers of it. And now there are summits everywhere. And, but you guys really started that out, right? Or yeah, the, the, Did you uh, yeah, we pretty much invented yeah. the summit. Yeah. Yeah. The summit model. So it's, it's, I don't know if I want to take credit because there's so many different summits out there nowadays where you're like, ah. Well, what you do is really beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The first summit we did actually, it wasn't the Tapping World Summit. It was Nick and his friend, Kevin Gianni, and they did something called the Fountain of Youth World Summit. <laughs> that was the name of the first one. It was all health-based and they did it and they, they basically like back then there used to be these teleseminars that would be one presentation at a time. And they were like, well, no, we need to put this out there sooner. And they said, well, let's make it one day at a time. 
And so they just crammed it together. They made it 10 days instead of 10 weeks and changed the setup to be no pitching, just content, put it together as a package. And they did the first you know, summit years ago, but it wasn't until the Tapping World Summit that it kind of took off and people started to notice like, hey, this seems like a cool model to do. And that's why it's been copied all over the place now. Yeah. And we're talking about, so just to build off so people, first off, tapping is also known as EFT. The emotional freedom technique. Right. And then also a sum, we're talking about a summit where what the Tapping World Summit does and other summits that are out there will give content away, as Alex just said, for 10 days, could be audio, videos, you sign up, get it for free. And then you have the opportunity, so you can watch everything, listen to everything for free. You have the opportunity to buy that along with other bonuses, et cetera, at the end. So it could be five days, 10 days, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really cool model. I mean, the, the reason I hesitate to be like, oh, we started it is because what matters about it is that the content is good. And so there's a lot of summits out there where people kind of throw them together. They just get random people together and they do interviews and they're not really controlling the quality of the content. And it really is so important to put together good stuff. And there's a couple of other great summits out there too. We're not the only ones with a great summit, but it's so important to, you know, not just throw together random interviews, but to do something that's going to really create impact and change people's lives. And that's what we love about our Tapping World Summit. I mean, we've had stories of people, I'll tell you one story of, of a woman who was in Central America and she was the only one with internet access in her community. And so all the women would come to her house and listen to the Tapping World Summit and tap. And I was like, oh, I just love the fact that we can put something together that creates impact in a place where they could never afford to buy our packages or our programs, but they can go and listen and all get value for free. And that's just, that's just so cool. That's amazing. Hmm. So do you think that let's pretend somebody is listening, <laughs> wanting to do a summit <laughs> yes. or wanting to do some kind of, you know, obviously it's a beautiful list builder and then yeah. also great, you know, for service and then adding revenue. So thinking about, I know that this is typically Jess's area, but I know that you know a lot of things. And so I'm curious, what do you think are some of the critical elements for making sure that your stuff is high quality? Because I think that for me, at least, I see one of the biggest problems on the internet in terms of internet marketing is that there is no benchmark. There is no cost of entry in terms of quality. <laughs> like you yeah. literally yeah. can put whatever you want on the internet. So given that our listeners are above average, what would you say they should be thinking about when putting together content, whether it is for a summit, whether it's for a webinar, whether it's for just whatever, for their free stuff to make sure it's really good. I would say to think about the experience rather than just the information. Great. Right. That for me is the absolute key. If you're not thinking about how will this give somebody an experience that will actually create a shift in their life to be better, to be more positive, to feel better, to have better health, whatever it might be. If you're just giving them knowledge, that's not actually transforming their life, then they're not going to, if it's a summit model, they're not going to want to buy a program because with the summit model, you get to listen for free for 10 days. And if at the end you either feel like it didn't actually change your life or you feel like, Oh, I got all the information I need. Why would I buy it now? then you have not accomplished your goal. What we love about tapping is it actually creates an experience where people go through it. They actually feel a shift. They feel different. And so at the end, they're like, well, I have to buy it because I have to do it again. And whether it's a tapping, whether it's tapping, which actually gives you an experience or health information, you really have to design it in a way where you're thinking about the experience and how it can actually be applied and used and create transformation, whether it's health, 
internet marketing, business building, personal development, whatever it is, you just have to think about how is it actually going to transform their life? How are they going to have an experience through your program that is going to create a shift for them in their life in some way? If you're not creating that shift, then you're not actually, you don't have a program or product that people are going to want to say good things about and want to come back to and purchase and, and share. And then what are some of the things from the marketing side that you guys do to ensure that people will actually consume the free content so that they get that experience? Because it's one thing to promote free content, but if nobody's going through it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always said that with Nick and I, that we're, our skill with marketing has been with messaging rather than a particular technique of like, oh, do this little trick and it'll up your sales by 5%. Like that stuff always drives me a little crazy. And I think, I think we've improved on that over the years and even through testing. But what we've always done well is just our basic message, right? Our email, how we communicate with people, just connecting with people. Number one, understanding where people are when you're reaching them and understanding what do they need to hear in that given moment that's gonna make them want to take a particular action, whether it's just showing up to a call, uh, you know, a presentation, a summit call or a program, whatever it might be, or taking an action to actually implement something they're using, whatever, whatever it is, I feel like messaging and being clear about having everyday conversation. I can't tell you the number of times that I write an email and somebody on our team, typically my father, cause he does the editing of our emails, edits it in a way to be written more properly and I go, nope, not doing that. I switch it back to the way that we communicate with friends, the way we write an email to a friend, the way that we understand each other. That doesn't sound so much like marketing, but just a conversation all the time. That's that mm -hmm. I feel like if you can just in your marketing feel like you are having a conversation with one person, with one friend, where you're reaching them and understanding them where they are, that one thing is more important than any other you know, marketing technique or trick that you could possibly ever learn. That's great. Hmm. Love that. I mean, I don't have to dress up in some weird outfit and I mean, it helps mostly because I'd enjoy seeing that. That's okay. I will. I actually, I was watching a YouTube video today and the ad that came up before it was this guy dressed as a hippie. Yeah. And he was like, Oh man, are you trying the next latest marketing tactic? And he's like, are you asking why I'm dressed up as a hippie? And I'm like, no, I'm asking why you sound so weird. Like <laughs> it's just so awkward. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I wonder, I'm, you know, I'm always wondering cause it could convert. Who knows? Maybe costumes next time, but I think maybe better. Well, well listen, if coffee. you being, if you being in a costume is you, you being your authentic self, then it's go true. for it. That would be, fairly right? yeah. 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 That, yeah. that's the thing of it and too what i was saying a bit about that messaging it is being authentic and that applies to whether you're writing an email or doing a webinar or speaking on stage or whatever it might be it's just the more you can communicate in a way where people feel like you're human and that you're being yourself the more successful you'll you'll be and that is really one of the biggest challenges for anybody growing a business or having a podcast or speaking, it's, it's how do you feel comfortable just being yourself in order to communicate with other people and not have the nerves, not feel like you have to be somebody else. You know, that stuff is critical. And I think it's even beyond, it gets, I was talking to the guy who's building a house across the street, the one of the builder, he's like 68 years old and all the subcontractors are giving a bunch of crap because they're like, Phil, when are you going to retire? You know, when are you going to get out of here? You know, you're getting so old and he's like, I like what I'm doing, you know? And he's like, I don't feel like I need to go anywhere. 
So, and it was honoring where he is for, and I said, listen, man, I was like, I think the society of like, you work and then you retire has been this fantasy that's been driven into us. And it's not necessarily true. Like, if you want to be here, what, who cares? Like, just be here, you know? And I think that's a, it's a place for us in business. And as we're, you put yourself out into the world, it's being more comfortable with who we are. But even in a situation where it's like, I don't want to retire yet, you know, it's like, it's okay. I'll tell you, I was yesterday with my 92-year-old great aunt, and she's still working, right? And I see this all the time, that when people have that, I'm going to work and then retire and then do something else mindset, without having some type of passion for what they're going to do next, that they're, they're, especially at those older ages, your brain, like you lose cognitive functions so quickly. It's when you have that passion for life or wanting to be there that you just, you become ageless. I mean- you just, you live so much longer when you have that energy, that life energy of being passionate about what you're doing. What is she doing? She, she's in like an MLM. I forget what the product is. It's like health products that she sells, but she loves doing it. Yeah. Right. She loves it. She's got her own business. She loves it. And she's 92. And I'll tell you, I mean, I have deep, meaningful conversations with her and they're not conversations where I'm like, man, is she all there? You know, it's like, no, like she could be 60 years old. She could be 40 years old. She's just so sharp and on it. That's so cool. That's awesome. I was just going to say, speaking of like being passionate about what you're doing and, and really being engaged with it, I know that you mentioned a year ago, you really decided you needed to shift your role a little bit. So can you share with us maybe some of the precipitating events of that and, and what made you need to make this shift for uh, yourself? You know, I always wanted to be out front in our business. I mean, if you had asked us 12 years ago when we were starting out, who wanted to be a speaker and be doing this stuff, it would have been Jess and I and not Nick, right? He's the most introverted of the three of us. I am definitely, I mean, I've always been the clown of the family and I've always been the one, I don't know how I got stuck behind the scenes. That's why it's been kind of like a personality thing where it's like a little bit torturous for me over the years, but, but I'm also somebody who's very mission driven in what I do. And I always knew that my being behind the scenes, running the marketing and the operations was a different skill set that I'm good at because I'm very patient about that kind of stuff. And it's where I needed to be for a long time. And it was super important for me to be there, to be running those things, to be able to get our message out there in a bigger way. But I just got to a point where I was like, I'm going to go crazy. I mean, you, you do 10 annual Tapping World Summits, you do a launch 10 times year after year, you start to go a little crazy. And, and I always knew deep inside that I was passionate about the coaching stuff, the speaking stuff, writing. I mean, I've always been writing so much behind the scenes that's not seen by other people because it's, you know, I write it and Jess gets this stuff or Nick gets this stuff. But I just knew that I wanted to do more. And over the last year, you know, I grew our team to be able to take over a lot of my roles. I was the affiliate manager for years. I got myself out of that role. I was the operations manager for years. I got myself out of that role. And all of a sudden, all this time freed up. And I said, well, I can go do the things that I'm really passionate about that I have been for years. And so I just started doing it. And it's definitely been an interesting year. I've learned a lot about how, how we, uh, you know, shift our identity and shift who we are. Because that is a, a really big piece of it is how do you go from being the guy behind the scenes to all of a sudden being out front and not being like, oh, look, there's another ordiner throwing themselves, you know, out front and in, in the hat, you know, throwing their hat in the ring. Yeah, I just, I just felt like it was time. And I, th- I think everyone at some point in their life with, with one area or another just finds themselves in a position where they go, 
I can't live like this anymore. I need to do something different. And the question is, how can you get yourself to that point quicker? I mean, I wish I'd done it five years ago and not waited so long. But I think we all have that point where we go, no, some, something's got to be different now. I need to grow and, and push myself in a bigger way. How did you, so back to the beginning, how did you end up in operations? Was it just a decision that you guys made collectively or did it just kind of go that direction? I'm the, I think I'm just the detail oriented person that would do that. Nick just wouldn't do it. I think he just doesn't enjoy doing that is, is the bottom line. Whereas I enjoy the, you know, the organization of it, the analytics of it, all that kind of stuff. So I threw myself into learning it. I mean, when we had our real estate business before this, I was doing all those same things there because it was just what I liked doing. And so when we came over here, I just fell into doing that. And he started the tapping solution business. So of course he was going to put himself out front and all that. And so, yeah, we just kind of fell into those roles naturally. But I think I love doing that stuff. Like I love throwing myself deep into marketing and understanding that stuff. And at the same time, I like communicating with people. You talk about being an introvert or extrovert. And this is kind of something I had to figure out. I get energized when I talk to people. Like when I do my weekly, you know, or biweekly for me, you know, master classes within our membership group, I come off the things and I'm so alive and energized. And that's how I know that I am a little more extroverted in terms of how I work. And if I go, you know, socially on a weekend, on a Friday night and go hang out with friends, when I go home, I feel energized. I feel more motivated to work. Whereas if you're an introvert, you don't, you feel different and you kind of, you're like, I need a break from people. I don't feel that way. And so I, I realized that I, I needed to come out from behind the scenes because I wanted to be more in line with who I am. Hmm. Hmm. What is the transition? So you mentioned getting people in place so that you could have more freedom to be able to do this and then have, well, I know also Jess just had a baby. So that, yeah. you know, was a big shift. Too. Yeah, I'm so, well then, right? <laughs> yeah, it was a big deal. We talked to her when she, we had her on. She was pregnant, but I don't remember pregnant, yeah. how, many we, how many weeks. Anyway. She was seven months pregnant when she was on your show. Oh, oh that's, thank you. you it's not because I listened to the episode two hours ago. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. And Alex, yes. Excellent fact checking. Alex is <laughs> I'm, I, I told you I'm very analytical. I checked all the facts before I came on. Right. So. How old are your kids? Uh, my kids are six, eight, and 10. Okay. Okay. But my question was how has the dynamic shifted in your family or yeah. in your company as this shift has happened? And have you hit any stumbling blocks? And in, if so, like, you know, would you mind sharing whatever you're comfortable with sharing about how you work through this? So let me think. So stumbling blocks with my brother and sister in terms of running a business. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely had so many challenges over the years where it's just about money, right? I mean, you're talking about, you know, we, we have different percentages on different projects and you know, those are, those are not easy conversations all the time to be like, Oh, you know, like what percentage do I get on this or how are we working on this project and all that kind of stuff. And so those are always been, those have been tough conversations over the years, but I think that the three of us have always been close enough to know that we'd rather work with each other than not with each other, which means that we have to be willing to have those tough conversations. And it's, it's just like with a marriage, you don't want to go to bed having a fight in the air, right? You want to clear it before you go to bed so that, you know, so you don't wake up cranky in the morning and it's just not good for your marriage. And so with us, it's always been the same that we knew that if we were going to have conflicts in any area, we needed to resolve them. And there've definitely been really tough times around money, around, you know, direction of things at times, although there, you know, Nick and I are very similar in our thinking, but it's, it's helped 
with the fact that Nick is the one in charge, right? Because in our real estate business, we were equal partners, myself, my brother, and my father. And that causes challenges because if there's not one person making the final decision, you're just going to get nowhere. And I know for anybody listening who has a partnership that's 50-50 like that, that brings up challenges. I mean, sometimes it's like, okay, put one person in the role of having the final decision just to have somebody make Mm -hmm. that decision to go forward. I mean, there's been a lot of times where we've had a disagreement and Nick makes final decision. I go, great. Now I can move forward without continuing that fight and continue to move forward. So, so we've just always had that perspective that we're going to have that conversation until it's done. And there've been times where we've been on a phone call for four hours, you know, wanting to kill each other, you know, at the beginning, middle and close to the end. And then finally, by the end of it, we're just like, oh, we feel so much better that we had that conversation, had that tough talk because we got to a better place because of it. So yeah, there's always, there's going to be challenges with a partnership like that with family dynamics. But I think that if you come from a place of going, I'm committed to making this work, then you will push through to getting there no matter what. And if you come from a place of, look, at the end of the day, we love each other, we're family, we're going to make this work, then you're, you're going to find your way there. I know you, I mean, you guys know that too. You work together and you got a lot of family dynamics, you know. You know, I was listening to the podcast with Jess and you, you, Mike, were talking about the Northrop versus Ortner Olympics. Yes. I'm going to warn you that I'm ultra competitive. So if you set that up, like, you know, I'm going to be the guy who tackles you and you're like, what? I barely hit him, you know? That's fine. That's fine? Okay. All right, cool. Just remember, Kate says she never said this, but she actually did say this. I never said this. She said, I'm not that competitive. She said this to me. I'm not that competitive. I just always win. So, oh, yeah. Oh, well, Kate, if you want, I can teach you about losing, you know. <laughs> I literally have no recollection of she everything. Said, we were sitting in the car. I was in the passenger seat. I remember yeah. this distinctly. Like, that, that is a clear sign of a competitive person. Yeah. Yes, it is. Which is awesome. It's great. You know, it's fun. Yeah, it's great. You'll just yeah. lose, Alex. So just say, so you know, yeah, it, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it won't happen. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So on this topic of kind of managing these stumbling blocks, yeah. as we run our businesses, you know, emotions can run high. Like as an entrepreneur, I've experienced so many different emotions, disappointment, jealousy, excitement, exhaustion, you know, like so anxiety, a lot of anxiety. Yeah. So for you guys, you know, in your daily life, obviously like showing up at your company is, is showing up at work and you, you guys run a very successful show over there. So clearly you've got structure and you just show up and you do your work. However, I'm wondering, like, how do you deal with all those ups and downs? How much do you personally tap? Is that part of your daily practice or weekly practice? And can you just kind of talk about the emotions of, of running a company and, and the emotions of growth? Cause I think that a lot of the times we, you know, especially sharing in our email lists or on social media, we don't talk a lot about the days where we're spinning out or feeling awful or having an anxiety panic because it's just not helpful in the moment to other people. Yeah. I mean, you know, for starters, I think that it's important for anybody to know that there's a difference between social media and the real world, right? Which there's always this it's so easy to compare ourselves to the social media world of that other expert who has this perceived huge business and they seem to have it all together and they're all balanced. And what we forget too, is that a lot of times when you're listening to those people, they're teaching that information on how to do it. And I'm sure you guys have been the same where you're like, okay, I'm going to teach productivity 
So now I've got to figure it out for myself and really organize it so I can teach productivity. Yeah. And so you put out your best message. But what people don't see is that you're not always living your best message. It's one of the great things about teaching other people is that when you have to teach something, you have to live it yourself and really push yourself in a new direction with that. But, you know, emotions and how you manage them is everything in a business. It is the emotional side of it that drives our ability to be successful. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I went to a Tony Robbins seminar when I was 20 years old. I mean, I remember even at the time people being like, oh, you're so lucky that you're here, you know, that you're learning this stuff at such a young age, because I think that it's the mental shifts that we create, the, the ability to put ourselves out there in bigger ways to get past our insecurities, to get past our fears, to overcome the daily anxiety and stress every day that allows us to push forward. And, and, you know, I'll say this in terms of the brain science, and this is what I like to talk about when it comes to being a successful entrepreneur is that you literally can't, your brain cannot operate at a high level if you are dealing with stress and anxiety and fears and other things on a daily basis and at a high level or at any level really, because when you do, your brain goes into that fight or flight mode and your prefrontal cortex, which is like the decision-making, it's the modern smart part of our brain, it goes offline. And so when we're in that place where we are anxious or stressed out or afraid, our brain goes offline. It's, you know, I saw Nick talk years ago and he said, oh, you literally become dumb. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe we don't become dumb. We just become totally unresourceful. I'm like, that was a, that was a bit strong to say that, that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying we're dumb, but we become totally unresourceful. Yeah. Like we're just not able to be our best and to do things that we learn or, you know, the, the best example of this is always if anybody, everybody knows that, oh, you want to go speak in front of other people and you prepare, prepare, prepare as much as you want. And then you get up there in front of a mic and you freeze because your brain doesn't work at that point. It is in, it is just trying to survive and not working. And that's like the most obvious way of it, of seeing it. But every day we live this stuff where if you're dealing with stress from your relationship and then you go to the office, like your brain's just not going to work as well if you don't deal with that stuff. So, you know, you asked me before, how often do I tap? You know, it goes and flows. I try to have a morning routine, a morning practice of tapping and I don't just use tapping, you know, I think from all my years of Tony Robbins stuff, you know, I like thinking about quality questions. So I like to ask myself better questions when I'm in a stressful state, but I definitely tap on a very consistent basis just, you know, to like put in positive things to really get myself in the right frame of mind. So if I'm doing positive affirmations in the morning, I'll tap on tap while I do that stuff. Or every morning I'll ask myself certain questions like, you know, what is there today that might get in my way of, you know, doing what I want to do? Or am I worried about what other people are going to think about me today? Right. Cause I find so often that we hold ourselves back because we're worried about what other people are going to think about us. So I ask certain questions every morning in a morning process and I'll tap through those things. And there's days where I'm like, it's so clear that I've got some issues that are blocking me or I'm really stressed about something and I go and do that tapping. And there's days where there's not. And I just do some positive tapping to get myself in the, in the right frame of mind only because I know that while I do the tapping, those affirmations are going to be that much more effective, but I definitely like to tap, you know, as frequently as possible. There's no right or wrong answer for that. You know, I think it's always dependent on, on where a person is at any given point. Can you talk to me about a morning routine with small children? 
Is there a morning routine with some like, hot like You just said you like to have this morning routine, and I really struggle in that department. So I'm just curious what's actually happening there at your house in yep. the morning and how's uh, that happening? Well, it's crazy, obviously. I think that the, the idea of the morning routine of like, I'm going to wake up and get out of bed. And I'm going to go do some yoga and meditate. Like, it just doesn't work. I, look, the, the last couple of weeks, I don't even have a baby anymore. I have a six eight and 10 year old. The last few weeks, our 10 year old has been waking us up in the morning with something at like seven in the morning. He'll be like, can I go play video games? And every time you're like, you're 10 years old now. Like, can you not go just do it? Just go do it. Right. Just go, just, just go, but just do anything. Go read a book, watch. Like at 7am is not what I'm going to make my, oh, you want candy? Go for it. All right. Just let me sleep. Right. That's all I, that's all I care about at 7am. So you're never going to get, I think as a parent, you're never going to have that first thing in the morning routine, unless there's two things. Either you're getting up before your kids, which is never going to happen for me because I'm not a morning person. Like, mm-hmm. I fought that for a long time of being like, oh, I want to be this morning person. Because I, like I said before, you see these people on social media and they're showing you their Instagram of their workout at 5 a.m. And I realize I'm a night owl. It's not going to happen for me. And so either you're doing it way before the kids get up or you're doing it after the kids go to school. And so for us, it's okay. It'll be a little crazy. The one thing I want is to hopefully not be woken up by the kids. If I can just wake up and have a couple of minutes to just not be startled into my day, then I can deal with that craziness for the next 30, 60 minutes, whatever, you know, however long it is that we have that morning. And then after they go to school, it's okay, how do you recenter yourself, right? Then how do you go and grab the notebook and go through your morning process and do it then? But there's, there's not a clean answer to that when, when you're a parent. No, no. Mm-hmm. We, we definitely are on the startle wake up program. This morning it was at 419. <laughs> yeah, it's torture. I mean, <laughs> so torture. how old are your kids now? One and three and a half. Yeah, forget it. I mean, forget yeah. it. It's, no, totally. I, I look back at that age and I'm like, I'm like, how did I survive that? Like, how did my brain function, right? We're talking a minute ago about brain function, like the lack of sleep, the constant startling of your nervous system because of it. Like, it's really challenging. I mean, tapping is super helpful in that to be able to calm the nervous system down. But you're, you're just, you're not going to be at peak performance when you have a one and three-year-old, unless you have somebody else taking care of your kids. Unless you're a movie star and you're like, I don't care about raising my kids. I'm going to let somebody else raise them. It's just not going to happen. You're going to deal with that craziness. Thank you for that, Grace. Mm-hmm. That just no like, judgment if you have a nanny that takes care of your kids. No, no, no. But it's not even about that because I've got help in the house. And that's, yeah. that's important. Again, that's another social media thing. You see the celebrities and you're like, how are they doing it all? Like they do so much and they look put together. And you're like, yeah, because they have help. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No and, one is doing it all. Yeah. I've got somebody who comes into my house every day right now for six hours a day and I'm looking to hire a second person. Because literally, my wife is trying to work more. She's really, she really took 10 years off to raise our kids. She's starting to work more. And I want to have it be that we just like, everything flows really well. And that's not going to happen unless I get more help in the house. So I'm so lucky to have that opportunity, but that's not normal, right? So when you see somebody on social media looking perfect, you know, they're the mother with three kids and they're, they're working all the time and, oh, look, on Instagram, I'm making dinner for everyone, right? They probably had somebody helping and then they just made dinner for five minutes and put it on social media. So it's just- That's what I do. I heat up dinner and I'm so good at it. Yes. <laughs> but I do not make it. 
You do not make it. Yeah. yeah. I sometimes it's, make it once a week. You made dinner like, didn't you make meals last week or I something? I kind of made dinner last night. You grilled the steak and I made the rest No, of it time. wasn't last night. It was a couple, it was like a couple days ago. You did, you were like cooking like crazy. I did. I cooked yeah. all day last Sunday. Yeah. And, and I was yeah. like, whoa, did you know you married Susie Homemaker? <laughs> yeah, I actually love cooking, but I like cooking with directions. Mm. Yeah. Oh, specifically right. because yeah. it's a stress reliever like with with my business with all the decisions i have to make on a daily basis and there's there's lots of science talks about how we literally have a cap on how many decisions we can make in a day when i can go and cook a meal and i order like those pre-prepared meals they come you know they, they get them shipped to you if i can do that and cook with directions and have like something netflix on the ipad it is so relaxing to me because mm -hmm. i'm not making a decision it's true. That. Did you ever see the six, what is it? The South Park documentary? No, I missed that one. <laughs> well, messing out. It was the, the creators of how they produced South Park in six days. Yeah. Oh, really? Those guys are awesome. They're, they're smart guys, the guys who did that. Yeah, and so he said he builds the Lego sets the way they're, they come in the box, and it's yeah. for the exact reason. He goes, my entire week, I have to create something. All oh. because they go from oh you know what I have seen that part yeah I mean like funny but I, I have seen that but it is yeah you're making fun of me look at that you've seen it. I, well you know what's funny is I'm making fun of you but uh, you should see my Lego room yeah like, I literally <laughs> have a crazy Lego room it's a room with so many Legos in it that like I've got four shelves on each side and they're all full so I feel like every internet marketing guy I know is obsessed with Legos what is that about you know well for sure I had Legos when I was a kid. It's no, it's James no for, for me for me it's for the same reason with the cooking is that I don't want to have to make decisions and, yeah. and same thing I like to follow the instructions and build the Legos I don't want to pile of Legos and be like oh now be creative I'm like no 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 that 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 requires decisions like I make so many decisions on right. a daily basis I just want to follow the instructions and you know and enjoy building the Legos so on the decision track I'm curious. In your company, obviously, you know, you've published, I don't know how many books, so many books. 10 you, books right now. Three, yeah. 10, 10 books? 10 books, yeah. Okay, 10 books, 11 years of the world, 12 years of the World Tapping Summit, and you, a, a documentary, I mean, international speaking. So your profile is high, you know a lot of people. I'm sure people are asking you to do things a lot, you, Nick, Jess. So what kind of, like, filters do you have or how do you guys decide what to say yes to and what to say no to? Because I would imagine you get a lot of great offers. Well, yes and no. It's or, even, or even your ideas within the company, right? Because there's things people, other people want you to do and then there's ideas somebody internally thinks are a great idea. So in terms of being asked to do stuff a lot, I mean, we definitely in terms of, you know, people who want us to promote their stuff or read their book and do all that kind of stuff that happens all the time. And we're just very limited with, you know, who we work with and we try to work with less people because I just don't want to be emailing our people and being like, Oh, go check out this, go check out this, go check out this. It just gets a little exhausting and you lose the relationship you have with people. In terms of, you know, speaking more and all that kind of stuff, what's interesting about that is that this is where I think social media plays a big role in that we've had a large business for 10 years, or a good sized business, whatever, it's all relative. But our social media presence, I mean, Nick has a million, like 1.3 million Facebook followers, but we have, 
you know, Nick has 20,000 Instagram followers and I just, you know, I'm up to 4,000 because I just started doing it a few months ago. So I feel like people, you get inundated more because of social media and your mm. perceived influence. That's so interesting. Yes. And you do based on like your email list. Cause we have an email list of 700,000 people that we email, you know, several times a week, but people don't see that. Right. They see a like social media. Business. Yeah. It's, it's like a secret business to a certain degree. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is funny, which is one of the reasons we're actually trying to make a big push to grow our Instagram and social media and all that kind of stuff, because we want that to match what our, you know, business influence is in terms of how we're helping people. And again, it's not because we want to have more influence. It's because we want to reach more people. I mean, our goal has always been to make tapping accessible to every person on the planet. And that's an area where we have not put our attention. And we know that if we really want to help more people, then we need to do that more. Yeah. Well, the irony of that is that is that like so many of the people who have these perfect profiles with hundreds of thousands of followers may very likely not have solid businesses. Correct. Correct. So I would take your spot any day. I, I, and and I've seen that. I've seen people. And I know, I know some people who have huge, sure. you know, I got a, a couple of friends that I just hung out with, you know, uh, last month down in Puerto Rico who have big, huge, you know, Facebook and Instagram followings. And they're just learning how to grow a bigger business because they haven't done the whole internet side of things in terms of creating programs and products and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I agree. I would take our business, which we've always had a very stable business for 10 years, with great cash flow and great, you know, great impacts with people over just having the, the big online presence, right? So you have to, you have to know how to merge the two together of having a big, impact with your social media and also being able to make it sustainable with the revenue that you make to be able to do it on a daily basis and have bigger impact. Yeah. Cause social media is a tool. It's a tool people can Correct. use. To build. And if everything's built off their business, there was a funny rift about Gabby Reese and Joe Rogan on their recent podcast. were talking about just posting pictures of your butt and how these people are getting 20 million followers. And they were just like, I, Gabby's like, I just don't understand it. And Joe's there. And Gabby at the end of it was like, if they're making millions of dollars posting pictures of their butt and they get 20 million followers, maybe we're the ones that are doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, maybe it's us that are messed up. Cause if I can make 10 million bucks a year posting pictures of the butt, like maybe I should do that for a couple. Like it was, it was pretty funny. Well, you know, what's interesting that that's a whole world that I didn't even know about till recently, the side of it where you can just be an influencer. I'm so used to having this internet marketing world of programs and products where you can just be an influencer and people pay you thousands of dollars just to make a post. Yeah. Like, I had no idea. What's that? Kylie Jenner. It's wild. Like, it's wild. It's crazy. I, I had no idea. I realized that recently too. Yeah. I was like, no, that's, that's how they do it. They post pictures of their butts, get lots and lots yeah. of followers. And then they post about the yoga pants. They get paid yeah. for the yoga pants that they have their butt in and they get paid $10,000 for, I mean, it's insane. I just didn't even know this world existed. I think it was like one of the Kardashians or something, somebody who knows really, but yeah. it was like, they get a million dollars a post a post yeah you know yeah it was like seven figures of i mean she has 120 130 million followers right so like a million bucks a post i was like that's incredible i knew i talked to somebody recently who had six hundred thousand instagram followers and i think she was getting paid somewhere between 10 and twenty thousand for a post which wow. is yeah yeah that's impressive that's impressive what so talk to me about the emotions of for you as it's been from like wanting to be out in front 
to have to run operations to now being out in front again or trying, you know, it's like now you're putting yourself out there and being this person talking about from a public figure standpoint, how's that gone for you from like your ego to vulnerability, the experience of what that's journeyed. Well, you know, I'll tell you. And also not to affect what you're currently doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for starters, I'm super thankful that I have an awesome team right now that's helping out. I just would not be able to do it and transition to doing more stuff out front if I didn't have that team. The vulnerability side, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that I've wanted to be more upfront because that's something I'm super comfortable with. I, again, you could ask me anything and I will share it. I'm just not, I don't have any feelings like I got to hide myself or be different in some way. It's like, my goal is to be me at all times because if there's one thing I know it's that by being vulnerable and being yourself, you give somebody else permission to be vulnerable and to be themselves also. So that's something that I always keep in the back of my head You won't, you know, I think on this conversation, you haven't seen me or haven't heard me cry, but I'm like a constant crier when I'm on stage or when I do my biweekly master classes, like I'm just, I'm willing to go there and be vulnerable with it all. And I really enjoy doing that because again, I think it gives other people permission to do the same. And if I'm willing to go there and be comfortable with it, I'm like, great. In terms of, you know, coming out front, I think it's taken a bit of an identity shift of going, okay, I know that I'm really good at what I do behind the scenes as a marketer. I mean, people come to me all the time for advice. They'll pay me thousands of dollars for, you know, an hour of my time just to get advice on the marketing side. And now I got to go, okay, now I'm going to put myself out front doing something that is not, I don't want to say it's not my skill set because I've known this stuff for 10 years, but it's not something that is my practice. Right. And so what I had to really be comfortable with, which I think is super important for anybody trying to get anything going is I had to know that I had to be willing to suck in order to get to being average in order to get to being good in order to get to being great. And I think too often people aren't willing to suck at something they do. Like I put that in my brain that I'm going to go and do a podcast or speak on stage or do whatever it is. And if I suck, I don't care because I know that that sucking is one step closer to being good and to being great. And most people aren't willing to be bad at something before they are great at something. And they judge themselves like, oh, look at me. I just did this thing and I was terrible. Well, great. You're, I mean, if it's something new, you're not going to be good at it right? You're just not going to be good at it. I mean, I, I take ballroom dance classes with my wife. I actually have a dance studio that we built in our house. And I love it because whenever there are new people coming in to take dance lessons, I can look at them and be like, wow, you, you suck, but you're supposed to suck. It's day one, right? You're, you don't know how to dance right now. And I was the same when I started to dance. And now I like all of a sudden years later, oh, look, I look like I can dance a little bit, right? But with any skill set, you just have to be willing to not be good at it. And that's, you know, it's, I feel like it's, I had to mentally realize that like, okay, I'm going to go out there and I might be compared to my brother or my sister because they've been doing it for so long and I might not be as good, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway, because this is what I'm passionate about and it's what I want to do. And nothing and nobody is going to stop me from doing that. And that's, that's really the bottom line. So uh, yeah, it's, you know, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'll put it out there right now that I am going to continue to do this in a really big way. I've got really big dreams about what I want to do and I don't care how much I got to suck to get there. Yeah. And then, <laughs> so awesome. and then how's it been for kind of the shift in business regarding the relationship that you guys have established from business owners? 
you know, has there been any, like, did you have a conversation to say like, this is the direction we're going to go? Or is it just like, this is what I'm going to do? Um, you know, you know, what's funny is I think that was actually some of the toughest part about making this transition was just the, not so much with my sister, but I think with my brother, I think being brothers, being the two, you know, guys, it's like, okay, now if I'm coming out front more, there's more comparison there, there's more competition there. And I, you know, I love my brother very much. And I didn't want to step on toes. You know, I wanted to make sure he was okay with it. And I think for a long time, I just didn't talk to him about it. And then I started to talk to him about it more. And then I also just realized like, I'm going to do this no matter what, you know, I don't know. It, it, you know, for me, it's, it's the type of thing where, if my brother and sister both said like, no, you can't do this. Like you need to do the marketing. I'd be like, great. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to do something else. Cause it's like, when you just have something in your heart that you know, you want to do, you're just going to do it no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the reality is that, yeah, it's been fine with my brother and sister, you know, it's just, I think, I think we have a cool story, you know, from a marketing or branding perspective. I think it's such a cool story to be like, Hey, we're three siblings together that do this as opposed to it, just people knowing Nick or just knowing Jess then you're just like in the crowd of all the different people. So if you can have something that's distinguishing like that of three siblings who do it together, I think that's awesome. And so I want to work to push that more in our business, what we're doing, but yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, And I also think like the ebb of flow. I mean, you had kids that are older, your brother then had a child. And then now Jess is a kid. So it like balance (laughs) the ebb and flow of your life. You're right. Intertwining where it's like, okay, Jess is like, I'm going to chill and grow this. No, I, and that's, that, that's a good point. I think that's one of the reasons it really came up to say, oh no, you know, I have to, I want to do this more because it's so in my heart is because for so long, and you guys know this, I was sleep deprived and I was exhausted. And it's yeah. like, I don't have the energy to go do that bigger thing. I was always, I was doing great things behind the scenes because I was perfectly happy being sleep deprived, sitting on my computer doing my work <laughs> as opposed to trying to be on camera while I was sleep deprived. And yeah, I think, you know, for my wife as well, all of a sudden, when we got our youngest into kindergarten, all of a sudden it was like something switched. And all of a sudden she was like, okay, now it's time for me to go back to doing the things that I want to do. And so it's one of those things that when you're in the moment of it, and I know it's so frustrating as a parent to want to do more, but to feel like you're held back by your kids. I don't think it's any parent who doesn't think like, what could my life have been like if I didn't have kids? Like, what could I have accomplished? Of course, you know, we can think that, but of course I love my kids and would never want anything different. I mean, it's okay. That might happen every day, multiple times a day. And it's okay yeah. if it does, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, to, to literally be like, oh, I could be accomplishing so much. If I had, I'd have so many more hours to work, to do things if I just didn't have kids. So yeah, you know, with the kids getting to a certain age, all of a sudden it was like, okay, now, now it's time. Like yeah. you can't, you can't use it as an excuse anymore. Right. Yeah. I think, I think you can use it as an excuse for a while to be like, Oh, I'm not doing more because, because of kids. And then you get to a point where you're like, no, I can't, I can't keep using that excuse. Like I've got to, I got to step up in a bigger way. Hmm. Totally. Cool. Let's talk about the app. So So I've used the app very inconsistently. I'll be completely transparent with it. Any tapping is good though. It is. Any tapping is better than yeah. no tapping. It's the, my, I would say when it comes to, I would say, I probably, I'm sure there's other people listening that have the same thing where it's, you got to meditate, set aside time there, do your tapping. And so for me, I would say at this moment, because when I was sick in the fall, I was very, like, I was so, I didn't have anything else to do. Like, so I was meditating and I was journaling and I was writing and I was tapping. Like I was a lot of self-care. Now that I'm back integrated into life, it's saying like, okay, I know trying to do all of those things on a daily basis hasn't been beneficial. Two questions. 
talk to me about like your guys' process coming up with the app and it's been fantastic. And this is a, you can download it on, it's available for Androids and iPhones. Correct. Right. Yep. And so it's just the tapping solution or is it the tapping, you can just look yeah, at the just Google the tapping solution app. Yeah. Okay. I mean, not Google it. I'm sorry. Well, you could Google it. It would show up, but I mean, if you look it up in the Apple store or the uh, Apple, sorry, Android, what is it? Google play it's called Google. Google. Play. Yeah. Google play. Yeah. If you look up the tapping solution app, you'll find it in one okay. of those. So what was the reasoning behind creating this? And then how do you recommend people to be consistent when there's a, a whole variety of activities that they can try to help like bring calm to their life? Yeah. So, so first off, the shift for us to create the app, it's funny because the shift with the app happened at the same time as our, I start, when we start to shift our membership thing where we do, our Tapping Insiders Club, in that we started to realize we had been helping people to learn how to tap for themselves for a decade, right? And we kept hearing the same things over and over again. And I actually heard it from you guys when you guys interviewed Jessica was, I don't know what to say, right? Yeah, like that's always I, been my number one thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I can tap, but I just don't know what to say. And so, you know, the mindset, even before we came in with Gary Craig before was, oh, we're going to help teach everybody how to tap so they can do it for themselves because it is a process that you can learn in five to seven minutes. And all of a sudden you can tap by yourself, but then people get stuck on that. Like, what do I say? And so we said, well, let's shift what we're doing from being just teaching people what to do on different areas to guiding people in all these different areas so that they're getting a fuller process to it that they don't have to think about what to say. They can just follow along with what to say. Cause most of the time with any particular issue, there are commonalities with it, right? Whether you're doing tapping or something else, there's such common challenges to any particular issue that somebody's dealing with. And so we, we shifted to having a mindset of going, let's guide people with tapping. And so we came up with the app and the app is awesome in that it's literally in those five to 10 minutes on a particular issue. You can just listen along. I mean, you, you learn the tapping point. You can watch a little video that, you know, when you sign up initially to learn the tapping points, but then you just listen to it like, like a meditation. You listen to the meditation because it's tapping meditations and you just tap along with the points and follow along. So you don't have to worry about, am I doing the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? You know, am I messing up somehow? Which always amazes me. I was reading a comment in one of our Facebook groups earlier today where a woman said, I like to tap when I'm in my recliner laying back as opposed to sitting up. Is that bad? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, right. Those, those are the questions that we have about something like meditation or tapping. It's like, should I be doing it this way or that way? Can I lie down? Can I sit up? Like, it doesn't matter. Like you can't really can't mess it up. Right. So just, just do it anyway. So the, the app is, is meant to do just that. You have a particular issue. You open up the app, you find what you want to tap on, you press play and you listen and tap along and you feel relief. It's just magical. I mean, and okay. So you also asked why tapping as opposed to something else, right? So I love meditation. Well, I don't, not necessarily. You can, you can answer that question, okay. but I think. I'm going to, I'm going to make up my own questions now. That's what, yeah, that's, that's fine. Do. You can make them up. That's fine. That's what winners do. <laughs> you do your own interview. <laughs> that's what winner ordners do when they're beating Northrop's. <laughs> winners make up their own. Yeah. And so I, that. I think it goes back to kind of what you're hitting on when you started was like, I don't know what to say. It's the same thing that you follow the instructions with Legos. Yeah. Right? right. So I feel like a lot of like headspace and calm and these programs have really taken off over the last, you know, couple of years 
Yeah. Because Gary Vaynerchuk said they were going to. No, just kidding. Yeah. We, <laughs> thing before we started but he, you know he talked about meditations the next huge business but with tapping is that following the app what i realized is during this because i was doing this penelope like we would sit in the in the room in the morning and she loved the little because it says what's your you know your level and you pick it on the screen and then you yeah. lower it and she's just like oh this is fun you know but then we would be tapping together but it's somebody's telling me and how to follow it so it takes out i don't have to think about it as i'm going yeah. through it and i found it very relaxing by the end of it well, I, you know, you brought up a great point there that the fact that we like to build Legos and I like to cook with instructions and we like to tap and just follow along is because in our society, we are so overwhelmed. Like we can't comprehend how much faster and how many more decisions, how much more information we have to deal with on a daily basis than we people had to 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. And so even 11 years ago, like cause yeah. the iPhone came out 11 years ago. Right. There you go. Yeah. 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 I mean, right now you gotta, you're, you're being interrupted with text messages, with alerts, you're opening up your app and checking the news and all sorts of stuff. I mean, the, the phone, the iPhone, I love it, but it really does, you know, destroy us in many ways too, our brains and our ability to be calm in a nervous system. But yeah, the, being able to just follow along takes out the overwhelm of it to get you to do it, right? Because it's getting ourselves to do these practices, which is most important. And so that's, that was the, the thing with the app. It's like, hey, let's put it on a phone to make it even easier. Because, you know, we, for example, we have our membership group. People don't access it on their phone when they're out and they're stressed out about something. I don't know how to log into any membership system on my phone. I don't remember my passwords. So like, oh, right, let's make an app around it so that people can access it easily and follow along easily and get the results they want in any given moment. And I do love, as you said, it was one of the big things that we love about our app is that when you start a meditation, you rate yourself. So if, you, so if it's a meditation on anxiety, you know, the little thing comes up and you rate yourself on a level nine and then you listen to the whole meditation. And then at the end, you're like, oh, now I'm at a level four and you get to see the process, the progress you're making, because I, I'm sure it'll be copied at some point, but Calm and Headspace, they don't have that in their apps. And I think it's such a great thing to be able to actually see your progress because what happens a ton with tapping, and this happens when I tap with people in person or from the stage is somebody will be like, oh, I've got this major issue. Well, let's say you're really angry at somebody and you explain this whole thing and you're so in the anger and you tap and you're at a level nine, all of a sudden you're done and you're like at a level three and the person goes, well, I wasn't really angry. It was just, and you're like, wait, 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 wait a second. No, yes, you were. Like I roll back the footage. You were so angry just now. We lose sight of how we were feeling a few minutes ago. And so by actually measuring it, you get to see that you're actually making progress in, in the tapping or whatever technique you're using. That's really smart. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so people can find the app on the App Store on whatever place they do apps. Yeah. And then where else should they find you and be able to continue to follow along with your work? TheTappingSolution.com. If you want to learn about our stuff, you can. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I got to get. You know, I'm got four thousand. I want to be as cool as you on Instagram. Well, you got like sixty thousand followers. You know, uh, you can follow yeah. me on Instagram. <laughs> She's What's over that? seventy now, Alex. You oh, know, come on. Keep well, up. you know what? When you grow as quickly as you, it just it it, it helps. It grows so quick. I, I, I'm <laughs> trying to keep up, but uh, yeah, you know, on, on AlexShortner.ts, I think it is. But yeah, you just look up Alex Shortner. Okay. I'm on there. Um, Amazing. Yeah. You just That's check us great. out in all different places. Yeah. This is so yeah. I, and Alex is a great on Instagram because he, he talked, he gives like very valuable content over the course yes. of five, you know, little, little stories as they're going along. 
that you can follow along with things that you're improving on the week and to help I do, out. I do enjoy doing that. I, I did disappear from Instagram for a few weeks because of a little side project I was working on for a while, but I'm back on there now. And I do love, again, I just absolutely love putting out information to help people with tapping. Like, just love it. That's, That's great. great. Well, I'm so glad that you're out front. It's get, it's like really fun to get Thank to know you on that level as well. And you're doing awesome. So Thank appreciate thanks it. for showing up on our show. We'll see you in Connecticut for the- oh, well, Yeah, just let me know when the scheduled Ortner Northrop games are, because I, I better, I'm going to go hit the gym right now because I got to be <laughs> in the best physical and mental shape possible. I can just see there's like physical activities, internet marketing challenges, like sounds like it's going to be a blast. I, like I do think that I took Jess out in the sumo suit at you, her wedding you shower. Yes, yeah. you oh, I wasn't there. Have already begun. Oh, man. Oh, all right. It's on. I'm ready. Just give me the date. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Thanks, guys. I am so excited to tell you that my new book, Do Less, A Revolutionary Approach to Time and Energy Management, is now out. You can get the book along with a workshop on how to set boundaries and say no, and a workshop on how to apply the 80-20 rule to your life so you can get 80% more results with only 20% of the work, plus two Maven Masterclasses over at katenorthrop.com forward slash book. And the book is available anywhere books are sold. Get your copy of Do Less.